his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Sex is the life force energy that runs through us all. Can you use sexual energy for your spiritual evolution? Or perhaps for emotional healing? Is it even possible? Clinical sexologist Dr. Martha Tara Lee will explore all these and more on Eros Evolution on Home Times Radio. I'm fighting to you. Hello, hello, and welcome to Eros Evolution. This is where sexuality and spirituality meet. This is the last show that I'm doing for 2017 and also the last show that I'm doing for maybe a while, because I'm going on a break uh, with On Times Radio. Uh, after doing this show for coming to three years now, I, I need a break. And although I've learned a lot from doing this show, I, I just need some time to regroup. And I've learned a lot from my guests. I've learned a lot from being a guest. And um, I, I believe that I've become better uh, in terms of being able to think on my feet, uh, over the last three years. So let me introduce uh, my guest uh, for today's show. And today's uh, show, uh, writing on the Me Too movement, where there's a lot of talk about um, sexual harassment, sexual assault, and consent, uh, we have a relevant topic. And today's topic is Reclaim Your Sexuality Despite Childhood Abuse. This is uh, going to be with uh, sex, sexual abuse recovery coach, Rachel Grant. And we will be exploring how abuse impacts one's ability to create intimate relationships and to reclaim our sexuality. We will be discussing some key strategies that will make it possible for one to have deeply fulfilling and connected relationships. So Rachel Grant is the owner and founder of Rachel Grant coaching. She's a sexual abuse recovering coach, as I mentioned, and holds a MA, Master of Arts in Counseling Psychology. She's the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage in recovery from sexual abuse. She works with survivors of childhood sexual abuse who are beyond sick and tired of feeling broken, unfixable, and burdened by the past. She helps them let go of the pain of abuse and finally feel normal. So she has a program called Beyond Surviving, the same title of the book that she has, has been specifically designed to change the way we think about and heal from abuse. Based on her educational training, study of neuroscience and lessons learned from her own journey, she has successfully used this program since 2007 to help her clients break free from the past and move on with their lives. And you can find her at Rachel Grant coaching.com that's Rachel with an E no A and uh, you can find her on Facebook she has a Facebook group called Real Talk with Rachel so it's facebook.com backslash groups backslash 
Real Talk with Rachel, no A. So, yes, uh, welcome to the show, Rachel. Uh, thanks, Martha. <laughs> so nice to be here. <laughs> yes. So uh, you reached out to me and um, uh, suggested yourself as my guest, which, you know, I'm very honored that you reached out to me. And, uh, yeah, I, I really wanted to have you on, of course. And so thanks for doing this. <laughs> oh, it's a joy. It's a real joy to be here and to have this conversation exactly, as you said, at a time when, uh, you know, things are so um, up around sexual abuse and so many, um, you know, women in particular, but men also are coming forward and talking about this topic. So it's very timely. So, yeah, right on. Yes. So tell us more about the Me Too movement, what you know of it, just to, you know, summarize it and make it into context for some people. I'm sure lots of people heard about it, but maybe some of them are, you know, not quite sure what it's, what it's about. Right. Right. Well, so, you know, in the face of uh, the, I think a, a, a big propellant of this was Harvey Weinstein, uh, who is a Hollywood uh, director and, you know, socialite. And women started coming forward uh, to share their stories of how he had sexually harassed and assaulted them. And Alyssa Milano uh, tweeted, you know, if every woman who had ever experienced sexual harassment or assault uh, were to, you know, share a hashtag me too in their online profiles, it might shed some light. And this was actually building off a movement that had been started years before. I'm not recalling her name in this moment, um, but there, I think there's just something about where we are at this particular time where survivors of abuse are getting very fed up with the lack of support in our criminal systems and the justice system and, um, and being silenced. And it was really amazing, Martha, to just see like how that really caught fire. And so many people were, you know, coming forward and sharing their stories. It also started really important dialogues about the role that men play in society and in these experiences what happens for people who, you know, don't just, um, you know, who don't just have the opportunity, who don't feel safe or comfortable sharing that they are a survivor. So that brought up questions, uh, particularly in the Facebook group that I, you were mentioning earlier. We had lots of conversation and dialogue about is it safe to identify with a hashtag me too? If I don't, does that somehow make me like someone who's not participating in this big social movement? Um, and, but all in all, I think it's really just a call forward um, and then people becoming more emboldened and ready to break the silence and refuse to be um, victimized any longer. Mm. So yeah, you're right in that um, the me too hashtag is, uh, I, I believe, uh, triggered a lot of people because, uh, like you mentioned, the pressure to also share their stories, and and the shaming of how come you didn't you didn't say this like for years, and uh, mm -hmm. also I I read about men who say where is my place in this Me Too movement, and mm -hmm. uh, feeling a lot of uh, surprise, shame, and uh, also unsure of what they can do to support the women in in their lives. Mhm. Mm Most definitely. Yeah. So when we talk about uh, sexual abuse, sorry, go ahead. Mhm. Mm oh no, please. We can. Yeah, we can go on. 
Go ahead. So I was just going to say that um, for men, you know, in my, in my practice, something that I've noticed over the past, ten, well, I've been, you know, in this world for 10 plus years as a, you know, practitioner, a healer. Of course, I've been in this all my life, you know, from the age of 10 when I began being sexually abused by my grandfather. But it has been interesting in the last year that I've been seeing more men joining my group, more men um, coming to my monthly support groups and, and signing up, you know, working with me in my Beyond Surviving program. So I'm excited to see that because it, it certainly is a population that we don't want to see, um, you know, ignored in all of this because the numbers for men being abused are not as extreme as for women, but they're right up there. And so it, they, too, you know, have a voice in this, you know, experience. Definitely. So just remember that as we uh, go on in today's show, uh, even though uh, sexual abuse uh, does happen a lot more for women, uh, let's not make it a gender thing. It does affect all genders. And um, yeah. it's really important to not shame people for their experiences. Uh, for instance, why didn't you fight back? Um, and I, mm -hmm. I believe um, Rachel will talk more about the responses people have uh, when they get sexually abused. So I know you you uh, were sexually abused yourself. And um, uh, if you don't mind, uh, share a little bit of your story and what brought you to doing this uh, coaching. It seems like you specialize in sexual abuse recovery. Yeah, thank you, Martha. I do, and it certainly wasn't my intention, but, you know, life leads you where it's going to lead you sometimes, <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, yeah. my story really begins when I was five years old. My grandfather came to live uh, in our home, and I was really excited about that at the time. My older brother and sister really didn't pay me much mind, so my grandfather was like this new friend, you know, and someone to hang out with and spend time with. And uh, really, with some of my fondest memories of my grandfather are of sitting out on the front porch, swinging. We grew up in, you know, small town Oklahoma, and uh, and just sitting there, kind of watching people talking and enjoying just being outside. When I was uh, 10 years old, it was, you know, one of these days where we were sitting out on the porch, just like any other day. Nothing seemed unusual or strange about it until my grandfather began touching me. And, you know, in that moment, Martha, I'm 10 years old. I, I don't really understand what's going on. It's really confusing. I'm thinking maybe he's confused and doesn't even realize what, you know, where he's touching me. And so I, you know, wiggle and move around, but uh, he just continued. And that was the beginning of, you know, a, a long stretch of time in which he was abusing me. And it's likely that he was abusing me before that, but I don't have clear memories, which is very common for survivors. We don't often have succinct memory. Um, and so, you know, that really led me into this place of trying to figure out what was going on and why this was happening to me and feeling very afraid. And, uh, my parents eventually figured out what was going on and moved him out of the home, which was great. But that really didn't change the way I was feeling. Yeah, I had come to think that I was causing this. I was bad, et cetera. And, um, and I really refused support and help. I wanted to try to pretend that everything was okay. So um, 
after many years of that, when I hit my 20s, I really noticed that this was impacting my life. I couldn't deny it any longer. And that's when I started reaching out for help and doing therapy and reading books, etc. But I really reached a point, Martha, in my journey where I got very frustrated with that whole process because I felt like I was continually talking about everything that had happened. But when I asked for support and how to change that or how to do things differently, it seemed like nobody had any answers for me. And I was really surprised by that. <laughs> I was like, what, are, what, is, what am I paying you for if you don't really know actually how to help me? And so, mm. you know, fast forward, and you know, I'll, I'll jump ahead a little bit. Yeah. So we have a break. Uh, we'll I'll, I'll pause there. Yeah. I'll pause there. Sorry to interrupt. Your conscious lifestyle on steroids. Ohm Times Radio. IOM FM. Host your show on IOM FM, the radio network of Ohm Times Media, one of the more recognized brand names in the conscious community, and is backed by the extensive marketing reach of Ohm Times. Hosting a show on IOM FM immediately connects you with our extensive, dedicated community. I'm Kelly Fox, host and astrologer of The Astrology Show. Each week, I'll give you access to the current transits, which are a valuable tool that provide astrological information to help unlock the potential each of us has. Understanding the stars can help steer us in the right direction to make better informed choices. So if you're wondering what's going to happen in your week ahead, be sure to tune in to The Astrology Show for guidance. Mondays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Every two minutes, an American is sexually assaulted. The majority of victims know their attacker. It could be your friend, your neighbor, or someone you met at a party. If you said no, it's rape, and it's a crime. This is Christina Ricci with RAIN. Call the National Sexual Assault Hotline today at 1-800-656-HOPE or visit RAIN.org. That's R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. Brought to you by Rain and this station. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Arrow's Evolution. This is where we explore the link between sex and spirit. And today we're talking about a topic that is really heavy, and uh, it's going to be the last episode of Arrow's Evolution for a while. I'm taking a break. Uh, from doing this show and um, having done this for three years yeah I, I need a, a little break to regroup so uh, yes today's uh, show is uh, reclaim your sexuality despite childhood abuse you are listening to this show on the Om Times radio network and you can share this show by going to the link omtimes.com forward slash mobile with this link you'll be able to listen to the show without needing to download any app uh, we are with Rachel Grant the owner and founder of Rachel Grant uh, coaching and she's a sexual abuse recovery coach. And um, we started uh, the show by uh, asking her to explain more about the Me Too movement and also about her personal journey. And um, we were interrupted uh, by the break. So, uh, Rachel, would you like to continue with uh, part two? Yeah, part two. Continued. Thanks, Martha. 
So, yeah, you know, just got to go back a little bit. You know, when um, my my grandfather was sexually molesting me, so he was touching me and drawing me in to, you know, his space. And I have vague member memories of um, oral rape, but there are a lot of pieces that are just missing. And, you know, for those of you who are listening who've gone through sexual abuse, if that's your experience as well, I want you to just know that that's really normal. Um, very seldom do survivors of sexual abuse have very coherent, you know, chronological memories. And that's just because of what's happening on a neurological level when we're being traumatized. When my mother, my actually, my mother just one day saw what was happening and so she and my dad immediately moved him out of our home and they wanted me to go to therapy they even tried to you know they took me you know once or twice but that was a really hard you know time for me i was 10 years old i was confused i was scared i really just wanted to hide away from all this i wanted to try to push it as far away as i possibly could and just try to you know be a normal little girl right the problem with that is no matter how much pushing away we try to do, the impact of abuse is going to be there. So through all of my teens, I struggled. I struggled with anger. I struggled with really poor boundaries, very low self-esteem. You know, uh, I just was constantly confused about myself and who I was and relationships and trust. I mean, you name it, I struggled with it. And when I reached my 20s, I was, you know, starting a, a relationship. Well, I was really when I was 18, I started a relationship and I, I started to notice that I was not equipped to do this. I, I really had no idea how to navigate any of this and was so easily triggered and went into panic attacks, went into, you know, fight or flight, you know, kind of responses. And so I started going to therapy. As I was saying, you know, I hit a place in my journey with therapy where I got really frustrated because it seemed to me that I was doing a lot of talking about the experiences and making connections as to why I did certain things the way that I did, like why I struggled to trust people. And that's important, Martha. Don't get me wrong. Like that is an important part of the journey. But at a certain point, I started thinking there has to be more than this. Right. There has to be more than just talking about everything that happened. And when over and over again, the resources that I was going to were saying to me, well, this is just kind of a life sentence. You're just going to have to deal with it. You know, just keep talking about it. I thought, no, that, that just can't be right. And so that's what really spurred me on. I said, you know, I'm going to try to approach this differently. And I, you know, started studying neuroscience. I went and did my master's in counseling psychology. I started reading what I could. And, and really, I just started to try to think about, like, I was healing from an injury, just like any other injury. Mm. So, like, if you get a broken leg, right, you don't just kind of sit down and go, well, shoot, my leg's broken. I guess that's just the way it's going to be, right? <laughs> We don't do that. So why why do I see people doing this when it comes to abuse and trauma? And mm. so for me, I just kept asking that same question. So for any issue that I had in my life, the, the next question was, how do I heal my brain? Like on a neurological level, what needs to be healed? And then on a behavioral level, what do I need to be able to do differently? What skill do I need? What behavior do I need that I didn't learn because I was, you know, in the midst of abuse? 
And so bit by bit, all of this just started to form and it became, you know, what I was using on a day-to-day basis to heal myself. And eventually, you know, with the support and, you know, prompting of my friends, I said, okay, let me see if this works for other people. It's worked for me. It's changed my life. And so back in 2007 is when I launched the first Beyond Surviving program and started you know, kind of trying out sharing these strategies with others. So, you know, fast forward 10 years, (laughs) you know, um, the program has grown and the curriculum has become, you know, more solidified and, you know, I've written the guidebook. And then, you know, this is what I do full time now is really support survivors who are sick and tired of that feeling of being broken and unfixable and like nothing they're doing is making a difference. And, um, and so that's, how I get to spend my days to now, and, and I love it. Mm, that's great. So thank you so much for sharing your personal story. I'm sure talking about it every time um, does bring up memories, and uh, sometimes, you know, we just don't want to talk about it anymore, uh, just move on with our lives. So, yes, uh, I appreciate you uh, for sharing it. And I also appreciate what you're saying, that um, um, different things that you've uh, tried going for therapy didn't work. And um, there were people who were just asking you to uh, keep talking and uh, re-sharing about your story, and it wasn't helping. So you came out with your own uh, program. Uh, So uh, before we go into the specifics about your program, I just want to know if there are other programs that are similar or, you know, like what makes your program uh, unique? Hmm. Well, I think there are a couple of things that I've really tried to keep my attention on in developing the Beyond Surviving program. The first is I really tried to think about the order in which we address the various topics that need to be addressed for survivors of abuse. One of the things I noticed, Martha, is that when I would go to therapy, I would sit down and, you know, start talking about whatever was on my mind, right? (laughs) Whatever I was struggling with, whatever felt most present or difficult for me in that moment. And the therapist just kind of met me where I was at, which, again, is a really great model for therapy. But what I also noticed is that sometimes I would be bringing to the table something like, I really am struggling to set boundaries. And the therapist would give me some tool or have me reflect or do something, but they weren't actually getting to the root of why I was struggling with that, which one of the roots of why we had struggled to set boundaries is shame. So one of the ways that the Beyond Surviving program, I think, is really unique and powerful is that I've really spent dedicated time thinking about, okay, in order to do this, we have to be able to do this. And in order to be able to do this thing, like trust people, we actually have to be able to do this thing, which is communicate, et cetera. And so there's, that's why it's a curriculum. It's a program that takes people step by step, you know, through this healing process. Mm-hmm. And I think the other okay, distinction so is that it's coaching and not therapy. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So what? I, yeah. So I'm hearing the distinction between uh, therapy and coaching. So coaching is uh, very much forward, focused on um, moving forward towards their goals and breaking down into smaller steps. And um, it's mm-hmm. uh, um, I I I believe uh, much more dynamic than just uh, talking and talking about the issue. So I, I hear what you're saying because I, I and I appreciate it. 
which is uh, instead of being reactive and uh, trying to um, fix little fires, you actually get to the, the real root uh, issue, which is what you are talking about. So what uh, mm -hmm. it sounds like is that you're providing them with skills. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the other piece of this is that, you know, we might talk about things that have happened in the past, but only for the purpose of informing why things are going the way they are in the present. And then the very next question we always ask over and over again is, well, what do we do about that? How do we actually resolve this? What strategy do we need to have? What tool do we need to have? What shift in mindset do we need to have? And uh, I think because of that, you know, the people who have, you know, graduated from the Beyond Surviving program, you know, it's really about two things. One, it's about getting complete about the past, but it's also about feeling equipped to kind of deal with life going forward because things keep happening, right? <laughs> you know, life can be challenging, new, new challenges can come up. So it's really, those are the two things that I'm really working on with my clients is that resolving the past piece, but also feeling like, okay, whatever comes forward in my life, you know, tomorrow or the next day or a year from now, I have a toolkit that I can refer to and I can use over and over again as new challenges arise, but I'm not constantly dealing with the past right? There's not this sense of always being in the past and working with it and dealing with it. That's, that's complete. And instead, we're able to be present and deal with life as it is right now. Mm. Yeah, that's really important. So uh, with two minutes to break, can you list out uh, some of the um, skills or tools that you provide uh, your clients with? Sure. Yeah. You know, one of the very first things that I always focus on is um, what I call a little boot camp for the brain. <laughs> so for me, the real um, eye opener, the thing that really set in motion all of the change was understanding how the brain is impacted by trauma and creating strategies and interventions to help retrain the brain on a neurological level. So, and the result of that is we start to be able to have a healthier nervous system, we're less reactive, we're less easily triggered, all of those PTSD symptoms start to drop away. And so getting the brain healthy is, you know, always, always where I start with my clients. And then from there, we tackle shame. And, you know, really looking at shame as the, the root of our dismissing our own needs and our own desires skills, we work on relationship skills, building confidence, and um, so, you know, I, the program I've tried to make as comprehensive as possible so that we delve in to any of those areas where people are really, you know, looking for some support and guidance. Mm. That sounds really fabulous. So what, what happens with some um, PTSD uh, people um, that I think I have uh, worked with is that they go into a kind of um, hypervigilance and overdrive in yeah. terms of their think thinking. So after the break, I'd like to ask you uh, what are some of the first things they can do so that they stop going into being reactive all the time. Okay. Yeah. Sounds great. Cool. Free your mind with Ohm Times Radio, IOM FM.
Om Times Magazine is one of the leading online content providers of positivity, wellness, and personal empowerment. A philanthropic organization, their net proceeds are funneled to support worldwide charity initiatives via Humanity Healing International. Through their commitment to creating community and providing conscious content, they aspire to uplift humanity on a global scale. Om Times, co-creating a more conscious lifestyle. More than 24 million Americans have an autoimmune disorder, and that number continues to grow. I'm Sharon Saylor, and I'm one of those 24 million. To put that number in perspective, cancer affects about 9 million and heart disease up to 22 million. That's why I've brought together top experts and those thriving regardless of their diagnosis to bring you the latest, most up-to-date information. Join me, Sharon Saylor, Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, for the Autoimmune Hour on Life Interrupted Radio to find out how to live your life uninterrupted. What's up? This is Brad and Mike from Lincoln Park for Life Beat, the music industry fights AIDS. Listen up, times are tough and you get a lot of things thrown your way. If you're being pressured to have sex and you're not ready, then say no. If you're having sex, be smart and use protection. Respect yourself and protect yourself. For more information, call the National AIDS Hotline at 1-800-342-AIDS or log on to www.lifebeat.org. And welcome back to the second half of today's show, Reclaim Your Sexuality Despite Childhood Abuse, where with Rachel Grant, and you can find her at rachelgrantcoaching.com. That's Rachel with, without, an, without an A, with an E. That's uh, R-A-C-H-E-L, Grant, with a T, coaching.com. So uh, Rachel was explaining to us before the break about her own a proprietary uh, program to support uh, sexual abuse survivors uh, so that they can uh, go beyond surviving to being able to thrive in their lives. And so she talked about the difference in her program based on her own personal experiences and struggles with therapists and uh, with therapy. And uh, her approach is very much more dynamic. It involves coaching. And so uh, th- uh, this uh, definitely does sound like an important uh, step forward for people who uh, want to seek help from somebody who specializes in this field. So, uh, yes, so I was going to ask you, um, uh, mentioned before the break, uh, what about those people who are having P- PTSD, they're showing symptoms of uh, post-traumatic uh, mm-hmm. uh, stress disorder, and um, they are, their minds are in overdrive, and they are using basically their mind to protect themselves. Right. What what would you mm-hmm. suggest that the first thing that they begin to do? Right. Yeah, well, okay, so when we're talking about PTSD, so first of all, what we want to understand is that whenever we are having experiences on a neurological level, neurons are firing off and building connections and associations. These neuronal pathways, if you will, are being kind of built. And whenever we have an experience in the present day that even just closely resembles those past experiences or has an element from a past experience, the same exact neuronal pathway is going to light up. The brain is kind of trying to be very efficient 
in that way. It doesn't want to try to create, you know, brand new stuff every single time. It wants to just draw on what it thinks it already kind of knows or understands about the world. And so essentially PTSD, the, the, one of the responses of like being triggered is results because the brain thinks that, you know, this stimulus that's here in our present day is the same as a stimulus that was there in the past and therefore starts to set us off into this, you know, response system. The amygdala, the part of your brain that really controls that fight, flight, or freeze response, basically immediately gets ignited. And, you know, the trouble with that, Martha, is that the amygdala has thousands of channels in which to kind of flood our system, which leads to that hyperactivity, that alertness. And for a lot of survivors of trauma, essentially what's happened is the amygdala has been clicked on and it hasn't turned off. And so we're walking through life with this, like, you know, almost imagine it like there's this live wire constantly exposed. And anything can kind of set off our system. And so we became hypervigilant, we become hyper alert, we become hyper reactive. So one of the first things that we have to do is, is really kind of take charge of our brain again and learn how to teach the amygdala to go through the, the normal cycles that we want it to go through. So we want it to have a baseline where it's just at rest. There's nothing happening. There's no charge. And then we want it to be able to be, you know, ignited when we need it to be, right? Like if the tiger's running at you, you want your amygdala to work <laughs> so, so that you'll get scared and run away. But we don't want it to be constantly on. And so one of the ways that we can begin to retrain the brain and um, is to interrupt that amygdala cycle. So when we start to get triggered, to actually use what I call pause button techniques. So that rather than that escalation continuing to happen, we interrupt the flooding of the amygdala. Sometimes it can be as simple as just stopping and naming like five things you see in front of you. Asking a question that you don't know the answer to right away. And I won't go really deep into the neuroscience, all of this, um, just given our time, but essentially what that is doing is think about it like you're kind of putting a dam and cutting off the flooding of the amygdala so that your system can come back to kind of a resting place. And the more you do that, the more you're able to get out of those hyper-reactive, hyper-alert states. And you come to mm. where you're in more of a peace place more of the time than not. Mm. Yes. Thank you very much. So that's very useful to uh, know for me. And uh, so let's uh, continue the show proper by um, talking about how abuse uh, impacts one's ability to create intimate relationships. So what, what is intimacy in your definition and how do we block intimacy in our lives, especially for mm. those who are survivors of abuse? Yeah, this is such an important topic. You know, at the end of the day, my belief is that relationships are really at the core you know, of everything that we do. And if we have healthy relationships, then we're healthier people. And mm. struggling with intimacy is, of course, a really common outcome for survivors of abuse and trauma because, you know, it's been twisted. It's been, uh, you know, maligned by abuse. 
my favorite definition of intimacy that I, you know, teach my clients is that it's private and personal knowledge acquired through study and experience with another person. <laughs> and I love that because in many ways it simplifies intimacy. It takes it out of this thing that always has to be very deep and confronting and intense and can be instead like, wow, I'm getting to know someone. That's intimacy. Oh, I'm sharing this experience with this person. That's intimacy. And so uh, one of the things that I talk about with my clients is what I call intimacy-breaking behaviors. And well, that really means, Martha, is that as a result of trauma, we'll have a level of tolerance for intimacy. Like, I can go this far, I can get this close to people, but then after that, I want to just, you know, run away, essentially. And so as we start to name and notice these behaviors that are there, like, for example, one of them, like, is sarcasm. That one's a big one for me that just breaks down intimacy. Another one can be actually just being super busy. Like, you keep yourself so busy that you're never able to actually spend enough time with people to develop intimate relationships. So as we identify those breaking behaviors, we can then use strategies to help increase our tolerance intimacy and have those rich, you know, connected relationships that ultimately we're longing for, but that feel really far out of reach when we're, you know, in the midst of that abuse or the trauma or the pain of, of the results of abuse. Mm. Does that answer yeah, your question? Definitely. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. I think one, one of the things that happens is that uh, because uh, the sexual abuse caused them to have uh, pain, um, possibly physical and definitely emotional, mental. And so it's much easier to just run away from from intimacy, uh, physical intimacy, sexual intimacy. And so uh, maybe they, they may be functional in uh, all areas of their lives, uh, including mm -hmm. being able to have and maintain relationships but then when it comes to sex, uh, this is when they have problems. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, one of the things that I talk about in the Beyond Surviving program is the connection between trust, vulnerability, and intimacy. And that when we have those things in place, that becomes a gateway and an opening to sexuality. Of course, there's a lot of sex that exists without those in place. But by and large, my clients are looking to build those kinds of relationships where they have those levels of trust and vulnerability. And, you know, one of the there are some common, you know, things that people struggle with as a result of abuse when it comes to this area of their lives. Everything from dissociation to having flashbacks during sex to, you know, physical pain. And for me, there are a lot of layers when it comes to healing sexuality. But what made the biggest difference for me in my journey and that I, you know, really focus on with my clients is looking at a key distinction between sex as obligation and sex as a choice. Mm. That's, to my mind, the very first thing that we've got to tackle. Because for many, many survivors of sexual abuse, this distinction is not in place. And so the sex that was occurring when they were abused was coming from a place of obligation or force or manipulation. 
And without that distinguishing that that's no longer the case, and instead, you know, we have choice now as adults, all of that stuff just starts to carry over, right? It just floods in. It just gets all kind of mishmashed together. And so making that distinction, to my mind, is the first step towards being able to reclaim our sexuality. Definitely. That's very important. And uh, I like what you have um, used to differentiate uh, between uh, the link between trust, intimacy, and vulnerability. I think uh, there can be situations where there is trust uh, of the person. However, their inability to allow themselves to be vulnerable is uh, stopping them. And then also the intimacy part, their willingness, their comfort to actually do something. So it's one thing to feel uh, that you want to be close or to feel close to someone. It's another thing to actually do something about it, to mm -hmm. actually yeah. uh, not just be holding hands, but actually move on to maybe kissing or uh, penetrative sex. So that's really important yeah. to uh, have the vocabulary for them to begin to explore the areas in which they can uh, go deeper into uh, working on themselves and healing themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think that when we when we begin to notice that connection, then we can first of all work on trust. And this is exactly what I mean by order of operations, because I'll have a lot of clients come to me and say, "Well, I'm having a hard time having sex with my partner, or I feel really shut down in that area of my life." And I'll say, "Okay, I get it." And we will get to it, I promise. But first, we're going to do like this, 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 and this. Because if we try to just dive right in to resolving the sexuality, you know, likely we're not going to make much progress. You might actually end up re-traumatized because you won't be able to actually do the things that you need to do in order to, you know, transform in this particular area of your life. So, you know, when we start to understand how all these things are interconnected, then, you know, it, we just become empowered, I think, Martha, and things just start to kind of open up in ways that, you know, they won't if we try to do, you know, if we try to tackle something before, you know, we have other things in place. Mm. So, yeah, so just to uh, summarize uh, some of the points that you mentioned just now, uh, we're talking about uh, people who have been sexually abused uh and um, it's important to reclaim your sexuality because when you have healthy relationships with other people, then that's when you feel healthy yourself. That's one of the aspects of being human. And uh, by confronting um, the pain, the fears, the past, uh, we can move on more bravely and confidently. So that's the whole point of even working on yourself. And you're not going to realize this sometimes uh, by yourself. You have to work through it with people and in uh, being in relationship with other people. So, uh, yeah, so stay tuned and we'll come back and wrap up the show. Bringing you the best of the conscious minds in the world. Om Times Radio, your conscious lifestyle on steroids. The number one reason girls drop out of school in sub-Saharan Africa is lack of access to feminine hygiene products. 
The Pads for School Girls Project, an outreach of Humanity Healing International, is changing this paradigm by setting up sewing programs at schools, teaching girls a vocational skill, while producing the reusable pads that help keep them attending classes. The girls pay it forward by making and giving pad kits to other girls in need. To learn more, visit HumanityHealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. It's on us to stop sexual assault. To get in the way before it happens. To get a friend home safe. And to not blame the victim. It's on us. To look out for each other. To, to not, not look, look the other way. way. It's on us to stand up. To step in. To take responsibility. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. Arrow's Evolution. This is where we explore the link between sex and spirit. I'm a sexologist myself. My name is Martha. I'm from Arrow's Coaching. That's E-R-O-S coaching.com. Uh, in my work, I do work with survivors of sexual abuse. And um, um, my specialization, however, is really working with a lot of people who have uh, sexual misinformation and uh, lack of sex education. So I work with a lot of uh, sexually, I would call ignorant people who don't even know how to have sex or don't know how to consummate their marriage, for instance. I also work with uh, men and women, uh, of course. Uh, with men, uh, premature ejaculation, delayed ejaculation, erectile difficulties. However, today we have Rachel Grant and she specializes in sexual abuse recovery and she's from Rachel Grant Coaching. And you can find her at rachelgrantcoaching.com. That's Rachel without an A, with an E. And uh, on Facebook, she has a group. That's facebook.com backslash groups backslash Real Talk with Rachel without an A again. And uh, if you go to her website, you will be able to download her free guide, Three Stages of Recovery from Childhood Abuse, which will help you determine exactly where you're at in your sexual, uh, he sorry, in your healing journey and what kind of support you need right now. So just before the show, went to her website. She has a fantastic website. It's very informational. You can also register for her complimentary 60-minute call so you can uh, speak with her directly, uh, see if she can help you. Um, but uh, to get to know her, yeah, you know, one of the first things you would like to do probably is to download this free guide. So, yes, I recommend you go to her website, rachelgrantcoaching.com. Uh, just to uh, give a, a, another shout out in case you didn't join us at the start of the show, she's the author of Beyond Surviving and she also has a proprietary program, her own program called Beyond Surviving, which is designed to change the way we think about and heal from abuse. So this is all based on her not just educational training, her study of neuroscience, but also lessons that she learned from her own journey. And she's been using this program successfully since 2007, which is 10 years, helping her clients break free from the past and move on with their lives. So I've really enjoyed having this show uh, today. Uh, however, this being Arrow's Evolution, I uh, always ask my guests, what is the link between sex and spirit for them? So uh, as uh, professionals, coaches, trainers, therapists, a lot of my guests would uh, answer in their professional capacity, um, but I like to ask them uh, what 
they see personally is the link between sex and spirit. So, uh, Rachel, uh, what is the link between sex and spirit for you? How how would you explain that uh, to uh, people who don't really know the the link at all? Mm. Such a powerful question. I want to go back and listen to more of your interviews to hear how other people have answered. <laughs> I'm so curious. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, here's the thing that I, I think has happened for me in this area of my life as I've, you know, continued to heal and mature and, and grow and reclaim sexuality. For me, spirit really is all about our kind of our, our best, most wonderful self. Spirit is that part of us that just is, that doesn't have any labels, that doesn't have any goals or intentions or past even in a lot of ways. Spirit is the, the most present part of ourselves. And I think that when we're able to have sex with our partner or partners or however it looks for you, <laughs> um, and you are able to just be that self. And you're not bringing in any of that history, even any of the past, any of the future, and you're just fully there present. For me, that's the best, that's the best way I can think to describe the link between spirit and sexuality. Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much. Okay, so I know it's a bit of a abrupt uh, uh, switch in the show, uh, talking about sexual abuse and uh, the blocks to intimacy just now and uh, popping that question about sex and spirit. Um, so for listeners who are spiritual, because this is Om Times Radio Network, it's really important for people to understand the link between sex yeah. and spirit. And that's the reason why I, I always ask this question. I appreciate your answer. So uh, let's move back uh, to uh, this uh, guide that you have. In the guide, is, you say three stages of recovery. So what are the stages? So one of the things that has really formulated for me through the course of my, you know, work in this field is really beginning to look at the process that a person goes through in this healing journey. And I think of it as three stages. Now, these aren't necessarily linear. Sometimes you're in, you know, further along in one area than you are in another. But generally to think of it as three stages is just easier for our brain. The first stage is that of the victim stage. And this is the stage that we're in when we either are actually still being victimized or we're in denial about the past or we're trying to push it away, right? I talked about that in my own story, right? Like immediately after the abuse when I just wanted to pretend like nothing had happened. And for a lot of the, those of us who've gone through trauma and abuse, we go through that stage where we want to just push it away. It's no big deal. I'm fine. Once we start to acknowledge that something has happened and that has impacted our lives, that's actually what bridges us to the second stage of survivor. And it's during this survivor stage when we begin to talk about the trauma, we begin to make associations and understand why we do the things that we do. We get support, we get help, we start reading books, right, where we kind of throw ourselves into this world of recovery and understanding. It's like we're finally ready to take a look at everything that's been going on. From there, when we're finally ready to move from this place of introspection and analysis and acknowledgement to action, that's what really moves us into the beyond survivor stage, what I call the beyond survivor stage. And that's when we're really 
focusing on acquiring those skills and tools that we need in order to move forward in our lives so that our attention starts being more in the present and the future rather than in the past. And in the checklist that you can download from the website, I talk a bit more about each of those stages, but I also talk about what the goals are for each stage and the type of support that you want to find or seek out based on which stage you're in. Because if we're, let's say we're more in that kind of bridging the gap from the victim to survivor stage, but we land on, you know, something that is more action oriented, it's actually not going to really work because you're not ready for that yet. And so a lot of times people get stuck at various stages, one, because they're not sure what the goals are and what to accomplish, or they're not getting the best type of support to actually help them move through that stage. Um, so it's a it's a great little um, guidebook to help you assess, yeah, where you are in that journey and to help you learn what types of support you want to reach out for to really help you based on that. Beautiful. So uh, once again, the three stages are victim, survivor, and beyond survivor. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at your your guide, and uh, I really like it. I really like uh, your downloadable uh, checklist. And uh, what happens is uh, in the checklist, uh, she talks uh, about the stages. She talks a little bit about what the stage is. And then there's a checklist that you can uh, take yourself through, whether you see that you have graduated or you know completed that phase. So you can actually start to assess for yourself where you are at and then uh, there are some uh, free resources there, what support you can get. Um, so uh, I, I think it's really useful and uh, worth your time to download, listeners. <laughs> so thank you um, for sharing with us that. So one last question um, before we need to go. Uh, what do you see is one of the biggest challenges for survivors of sexual abuse when it comes to intimacy mm -hmm. and sex? Yeah. Well, I think ultimately the biggest challenge is being able to separate um, themselves from the past and to set new rules uh, and to set new guidelines and a new way of engaging um, as adults who are having sex from their own place of choice, their own place of desire. And getting there can be really challenging, understanding those distinctions, doing that, you know, mental shift work, um, and finding that way to really step into this is how I want sex to be for me now. Uh, you know, all forms of abuse are traumatizing and have great impact. Sexual abuse is particularly nefarious because our bodies are being, you know, harmed. And our sexuality is being used in a way that it wasn't meant to be used. And so finding ways to release any of those, you know, that shame around, you know, how your body responded to being touched, even though it was abuse, is a key struggle and big challenge. But the good news in all of this is regardless of whatever the challenge is, there are ways that we can heal from that, the ways that we can move forward from that. And so, you know, that's really where... I keep my attention is what can be, what can we continue to do? What can we continue to build? You know, I've just recently started a, um, an online program 
to help people with the, you know, retraining of the brain strategies and skills. It's like an introductory program. I'm also working with some colleagues to develop trainings for medical professionals because so many medical professionals are not trauma-informed and then survivors go for their annual exams or whatever it might be and experience, you know, re-triggering. Um, so there's lots of work still to be done, but, you know, ultimately for those of you out there who are in this journey of healing from sexual abuse, I just want to encourage you to not give up. You know, there really are some great um, strategies that are available and resources that are available. So I just invite you to come check out the website uh, and there's lots of free resources available as well. And if I can be of any help to you in your journey, like please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really uh, appreciate you very much. And uh, we certainly gain a lot from you uh, sharing uh, in this show. So uh, Rachel is uh, based in San Francisco, California. So do you do uh, face-to-face coaching as well? I work by, by Skype. So everything, I work with clients all over the country and all over the world. Okay, got it. So be sure to check out her website. That's RachelGrantCoaching.com, and um, uh, please also reshare this, uh, share this uh, show with people because I'm sure lots of people can benefit from listening to it and beginning to have more awareness of uh, what they need to do to reclaim their sexuality despite childhood abuse. So this is Martha. And I wish you well, happy holidays and uh, happy new year to 2018. And uh, stay tuned, Um, uh, keep in touch. Uh, Check out my website, that's erscoaching.com.